Hey everybody, John Fenn here, Church Without Walls International, CWOWI.org. We are a house church and a house church network. We celebrate the gathering of the saints by meeting in homes. Where possible, we rotate each week who hosts and rotate who leads. Oftentimes it's the host or hostess or even one of their kids who will share. But sometimes a person will just say, hey, I can open my house, but it's been a busy day. I really don't have anything. Can somebody else lead? It's not sermon-oriented. It's based on what is the Lord doing in your life. We recognize that each person is a living, breathing temple of God, for Christ is in us, the hope of glory. So that means that he's doing something in each one, so it's based on sharing what he is doing, and that way he is glorified and we are all built up. So visit our website, cwowi.org, learn more about the a biblical house church. It's uh, Acts 2.42, folks, those, those four elements. Teaching, fellowship, food, and prayer. It's like a family get-together in balance, and it's healthy. All right. So today, talking about the parable of the talents. I promised last week when I covered the parable of the ten bridesmaids that I would follow up with that because it's one train of thought in Jesus. The conclusions are the, are the same, but with a different parable. You'll recall that in the parable of the ten bridesmaids that five of them did not have any oil in their lamps. The lamp primarily being an earthen vessel, which is in Jesus' parables, the earth is a type of the heart, and they did not take any oil. They, in other words, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. In fact, at the end of the parable of the of the bridesmaids, Jesus said to the five, I don't know you, and they were not invited in. They, I don't know you. Now, that's not, that's not, I knew you once, but now I don't. That's not a person losing their salvation. That is the fact that Jesus said, I just don't know you. It's the same terminology used in Matthew 7, 21, 22, where he told the wicked who claimed to have done so many mighty things. He said, tell you the truth, I don't know you. I've never known you. And you are a worker of iniquity. Depart from me. Uh, that situation was not talking about Christians either. It's talk, this is talking about people who, who the Lord doesn't know. They may claim something. They may know what to do, but they don't do it. That's the parable of, of the ten bridesmaids is, is at his return, it will be too late. That was the context, if you'll recall, from last week. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 1, then, talking about at his return, then the kingdom of heaven will be like. And he talks about the fact that it will be too late. He will, he told those five bridesmaids with no oil that I don't know you. And so now he proceeds right into the parable of the talents. Now, the parable of the talents is a unit the word talent there is a unit of money. It would be like a thousand dollars or a thousand euros or a thousand shillings or a thousand British pounds or whatever the case is. It's so, so let's just call it for what the parable says, five talents to one man, two talents to another and one to the other. And so it starts in Matthew 25, 14. And I like verse 15 and I, I'll take this little rabbit trail. Uh, it's, the parable says, and Jesus is talking in the parable, he says, he said the, the money was given based on their ability. So the word talent there is a unit of measure. It's a currency. It's just like a shekel or something else in their day. Uh, talent was a lot of money. And it has nothing to do with your ability to sing or dance or draw things or paint things or write things. or It's not talent like that or working with your hands and sewing or, or fixing things. It Talent, it's, it's just money. So one got five, one got two, one got one. Verse 15, Matthew 25, 15 says it's based on their ability. Now I have a, I have a, a biblical prosperity class 
or excuse me, a teaching, I, and I have done a class on it before, but a teaching on it where I talk about the, the balance to what the Bible actually says about money and prosperity. And I teach from this parable because Jesus here illustrates the only three things that can be done with money. And one is buy and sell with it. That's what the one that's what the first two guys did. They bought, bought and sell. This is what a shop owner does. This is what someone who owns a restaurant does. They buy and sell. You buy low, you sell high. You, you, you take money, you turn it into a meal for somebody. They will pay you for it and you'll make some profit. You, you buy some clothing at a low price. You turn around, you clean it up, you dress it up and somebody will buy it from you at a profit. That's, that's what it's talking about. Buying and selling with it. So that's the first thing you can do. Uh, the second thing is what he told the wicked servant when he returned. He said, you should have at least put it in the bank so I would have gotten interest. So that's the second thing you can do with money is just put gain interest with it. And the third thing is what the wicked servant did, and he, he just buried it in the ground. And, of course, if you bury it in the ground, you're actually losing money, especially in this day and age of inflation, to do nothing with it. You just bury it. So... Um, so those are the three things that Jesus teaches here that you can do with money. And it's based on, on each individual's ability. And, and so if you don't like your ability, it's in the parable, it's not up to the master to change the servant's ability. It's up to the servant to change their ability. So stop sitting around and saying, Oh, does God want me to go to school here? Does he want me to go to school there? You want to change your ability. It's up to you to decide to sort through things and he'll, he'll help you sort through your heart and sort through the, the facts of earning potential and what it would take to get this degree or this training or become this apprentice or whatever the case is. And he'll help you sort that out. But the desire that if, if you can only handle one and you want to be able to handle two, or you can only handle two talents now or units, and so you want to be the one who handle, can handle five, it's up to you to change your ability. So that's, anyway, rabbit trail over, let's get back on task. I just want to mention that for, for anyone who's, who's maybe seeking the Lord, say, you know, I want to change my ability. Good for you. You know, should I accept this promotion? Should I accept this, this change in my job to learn this new skill? Should I get this certification? It's up to you. So you and the Lord, you and Christ in you, you two decide on what to do, but it's not up to him. It's up to you. So you just decide the direction you want to go. So anyway, based on their ability, according to Matthew 25, 15, one received five talents, one received two, one received one. And as I've already stated, without going into the detail, the, the ones, the first two bought and sold with it, and they gained five more and two more respectively. The one, and that's where our focus is, the one uh, just buried it in the earth. And again, the earth in Jesus' parables is the human heart. So this is a person who just knew what to do, but didn't do it. He knew what to do. He knew he could have been like the other two guys who bought and sold with it. He knew what to do with it, and he did not. And there's a reason for it. Down in verse uh, 25, he says, I was afraid because I know you to be a man who reaps where he hasn't sown. Now, it's interesting. I read different commentaries on this, and, and a couple of them mentioned that the way this is written in the Greek, this is the man's perception, and this is the master responding to him. He's not The master's not making a statement that he's unjust. The master's not making a statement that he, he reaps where he hasn't sown or gathers where it, it, that's not in his field. It's actually written as a statement. In fact, the, the, the exchange goes something like this. You know, the, the master comes back and said, why did you bury it in the ground? You should have at least given it to the bank. And the man says in verse 25, he says, he says, I was afraid and I knew you to be a man who, who gathers where he didn't sow and, and, and collects the harvest off of another person's field. 
And the, the master responds, if you knew me to be like that, then why did you not do that? In other words, that's the exchange. It's not a statement from the master saying, I am an unjust guy. I, I reap where I haven't sown, etc." So it's not a commentary on the character of the Lord. This is, this is an exchange between two people. And the man said, I was afraid. And he had this weird, he had this twisted perception of the master. And I'm telling you, there are people out there today who have a twisted impression of the Lord. And it's sad, it's unfortunate, but it's true. And and Jesus, excuse me, the, the servant in the parable calls him wicked and slothful. Now the word wicked, it's interesting. It's there's the it's based on a Greek word, a Greek root word, P-O-N-E, I think it is, and it means it means pain. Uh, we have the word pain starts with the P, the word pain there in the in the Greek starts with the word P. And it and wicked has to do with and slothfulness is lazy. So it is, it is a painful laziness. In other words, this guy had baggage. This, this, this guy had a lot of reasons that he was giving for why he didn't buy and sell, uh, with the stuff, with, with the, the money that he'd been given. He went about his business doing other things. He was so focused on self. He was like, you know, wicked has to do again with pain and, and he, he's in pain and he's, he's focused on self and he's going in his direction. He just stuck the money that he was supposed to be investing or putting in a bank or something. He just stuck, stuck it in the ground and said, well, at least the master will get that back. This is a parable of somebody who knows what to do about Jesus, but they don't do it. They don't buy and sell with it. They don't, they don't do anything with the knowledge that they've gained. This is the same conclusion that happened in the parable of the 10 bridesmaids. And that's why I'm doing them back to back in that those of the five who did not have the oil, they had the lamp, which is an earthen vessel, of their heart, but no oil. Uh, he said, I don't know you. And to this servant who buries the knowledge in his heart, but doesn't do anything with it, then he's going to cast into outer darkness. This does not have anything to do with a, a Christian who is walking with God and, and living for God and everything else. This is a person who has the knowledge of God, but buries it. He doesn't do anything with it. It's the same par, it's the same conclusion of the parable of the, of the 10 virgins because it's, it's in Matthew 25, it's all about the return of Jesus and what he's going to find. And, and so people are saying, well, that's, that, that could be me. And it's like, no, 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 you got to understand. This is a person who has the knowledge, but they've not done anything with it. This is not a Christian. This is one who knows how to become a believer, but they choose not to. They, they have a false religion. They, 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 they know the story of Bethlehem. They know the story of the cross. They know the culture of the, the nature of Jesus, et cetera, but they choose not to do it. Remember the, the, the context again of Matthew 25 is the conditions around the time when Jesus returns. And so when he returns, when the master returns, obviously Jesus, when he returns, he's going to find this person with the knowledge, but they never did anything with it. They knew what to do. They knew of the cultural and historical Jesus, but they didn't act on that. So because there are Christians, and let me address this, there are Christians out there who say, oh, no, this is this is me. I'm, I've been in pain. I've had so much baggage. I've made excuses. I haven't won anybody to the Lord. And, and in the auditorium church, it's kind of like, you've got to win people to Jesus, you know, bring people, bring a friend to church day. And it's like, and you think that's going to be a, a pat on the back and you've done something with it. Like the, the men who were given two and five talents. It's like, no, that's not what it's talking about. The context of Matthew 25, the flow of that, when Jesus concludes after, after getting rid of the, firing the, the wicked and slothful servant, the one who's caught up in himself and his own baggage and his own life and everything else and just buries the knowledge and doesn't turn to Jesus to solve all those problems. 
It goes right into, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was naked, I was a visitor, I was sick, I was in prison. You fed me, you watered me, you clothed me, you took me in, you visited me. That's what it goes into. So when we look at this and we say, what should that man have done? What is the buying and selling? If you take away the monetary elements and what is the parable about, the buying and selling involves relationships. You buy and sell with people. It has to do with people in your lives. That's the exchange. It doesn't matter whether you're a restaurateur or a shop owner or, or, or working with your hands, fixing things and making things. You're interacting with customers. You're interacting with people. So what that man should have done, instead of keeping that knowledge to himself, he should have interacted with people. And that's why Jesus goes from this right into, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was naked, I was a visitor, I was sick, I was in prison. That's the church that will inherit the kingdom. So in other words, this is consistent with the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 20, that says this. It says, go into all nations, making disciples of all nations by teaching them to observe and to do everything I commanded you, to observe and to do everything I commanded you. That means they have to be watching us. That means you have to be, the Great Commission itself implies and it's understood a relationship with whoever you're winning to the Lord, whoever you're making disciples of. It, you've got to have that relationship. And that's what the parable of the talent is about. It's about this man who just kept this knowledge in his heart. He was not interacting with anyone. He was not acting on, on what could have been his salvation because salvation is a relationship-based faith. And and I've said this many, many different times, and uh, and it's been quoted and misquoted and everything else, but I've been saying it for 25 years, that, that Christianity started out in Israel when God came to man. It started out as a relationship in Israel when God came to man. It moved to Greece to become a philosophy. It moved to, to Rome to become a religion. It moved to, to Europe to become a culture. And it moved to the United States to become an enterprise. And I've said that for 25 years, and it's, it's sad but the, that it's become that in the West. But the truth of the matter is the Lord is going back to the fact that it has to be a relationship-based faith. I know you'll have to rewind that and, 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 and get what I said. But, um, like I said, I've been saying it for 25 years. It's in my book, Return to the First Church. And you've got to, got to step out of that enterprise, out of that idea of, of performance Christianity and realize Jesus is talking about being involved in other people's lives. So the parable of the talent is about, is the same thing as the five bridesmaids who didn't have any oil. It's about a person who knows what to do and they don't do it. It's not talking about a Christian who's involved in other people's lives. And I just, I just encourage you, uh, to, to be involved, to find somebody, a friend, a neighbor, a, a family, coworker, or somebody and just get together with them, just invest in their lives. Anyway, that's the church Jesus is coming back for. And that's why these two parables have to do with with people doing something with what they've been given, but it doesn't have to do with a believer. It has to do with a person who knows what to do, but refuses to do it. And there will come a point in time where it will be too late. All right. God bless. C-W-O-W-I dot O-R-G.